let's go ahead and uh, get right to it today. I want to get right to the heart of what it is that we're talking about. I guess in a certain sense, um, let's get this sermon rolling. <laughs> Did you get it? Did you get that? Yeah. Okay, have you ever had, have you ever had this experience? Probably you have. For some of you, it's probably been a long time. Okay, so you're on, you're on a bicycle, and you go for a ride, you get back and you go, you know, that was, that was more difficult than I thought it should be. <laughs> that, was, that was harder than I thought it would be. It seemed like I had to work harder. I was pedaling more aggressively. I just didn't move the way that I thought I should. And so then you, you get off. You tell like, I didn't do that often. Get off the bike and um, you realize my tires are flat. They're, they're low and no wonder it was hard for me to get moving. It was hard for me to speed up. It seemed like it was a lot more work because my tires aren't inflated properly. And then you say to yourself, well, there's air that's been out of my tires, and I can't remember when I let the air out of my tires. Because the truth is, you probably didn't, right? It just happens. Over time, as you ride the bike, as it stays where it is, the air just slowly comes out of the tires. Have you seen that to be true? Yeah, every spring we have this kind of ritual at our house where we go, we get the bikes out and we fill the tires up with air all at the same time. We get them all ready. And then even throughout the course of the summer, you have to do it multiple times as you're riding the bike. It's not because anybody let the air out of the tires. It just happens over time. Isn't the same thing true about life? Have you ever said to yourself at the end of a day, this was more difficult than I thought it would be. This was more work than I intended for it to be. I find myself pretty weary. I feel like someone has let the air out of my tires. And it didn't happen on purpose. It just happens. You, you have that difficult conversation, and air comes out. You go through a hard day at work. You interact with situations that you didn't expect. Life throws you a curveball. And what happens over time is you find yourself in a place where you say, I feel deflated. I feel like I need some strength. I need the air back in my tires. Ultimately, it's the word that we've been talking about through this whole series. What I need is rest. And Jesus tells us how we can find it. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 11 this morning, whether you have it in a print or in a digital form, and we're going to be wrapping up a series that we started two weeks ago called Rest Stops and talking about how we can find rest. And we started with this, with this single premise that's kind of been our, our guiding um, truth throughout this whole series, that when life speeds up, it's good for us to take time and slow down and that we need to find rest. When life speeds up, take time to slow down and find rest. And rest can be defined in a lot of different ways. For some of us, when we think about this, the first thing we think is, I need a vacation, or I need to, I need to stretch out on the recliner on Sunday afternoon, or I need to take a nap, or I need to just stop doing what I'm doing. And although all those things can be good, all those things are true, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to take a nap. Amen? I expected more of the men to say amen. <laughs> However, in the midst of all of that, consider this. And tell me if you haven't found this to be true. Just because our body rests, it does not mean that our soul does. Just because we close our eyes for a little bit, just because we take a break, it doesn't necessarily mean that we find rest for our souls. Because I've taken a nap and then woke up just as distressed as I was before the nap. So what does it mean for us to find rest for our souls? 
Well, Jesus helps us. Here's what he says, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says it's there. And so two weeks ago when we started this series, we looked at three truths. The first is this, that there are times when all of us need rest. We will be weary. We will be burdened. There's times when we need to find rest. And the second truth we saw was this, that rest is only found in Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus begins this whole passage with these three key words. He says, come to me. No matter where you look, the only place that you will find rest for your soul is in the person of Jesus Christ. And so he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And you say, how does that happen? And so verse 29 tells us, look at this, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. You want rest? Then take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So he says, take my yoke upon you. And last week, we talked about the idea of what this yoke is and what does it mean if we're gonna be yoked, or maybe a better word is connected with Jesus. What does it mean if we're gonna live life with Jesus? And we saw that life with Jesus brings us direction and it brings us strength, it brings us confidence, it's a commitment that we need to live in. And so we looked at these truths last week about how life with Jesus can bring us rest. And we, we recognize this, that rest isn't so much that we stop. Rest is what we need to keep going. See, Jesus wasn't telling them you won't be weary or you won't be burdened. He said, as you go through life, I will give you the rest that you need. The purpose of rest is to find the resources to move life forward. The purpose of rest is not that you just stop or that you cease. The purpose of rest is to give you what you need to find the resources to move life forward. It's, it's just to make an analogy, it's to fill up the air in your tires. It's to give you what you need so that you can move forward in your calling, in your opportunities, in the things that God has put before you, and the things that he's called you to do. So last week we looked at that phrase, take my yoke upon you. This week we're gonna look at the next thing he says where he says, and learn from me. Because at some point, if you're gonna move forward in life, you have to be willing to stop and slow down and learn. When, when I was a children's pastor at Evangel Assembly of God in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this is 17, 18 years ago, we would have interns come through for the summer. And one year I had an intern, he was a, a probably gonna be a junior in college, and he, he came for the summer to, to work alongside of our church in the ministry there, and I was assigned to kind of be the, the supervisor over him and stuff. And what was so cool about this guy, what was so neat was that at 20 years old, he knew everything. Because <laughs> everything I told him, he's like, I know that. And then when I would instruct him and say, hey man, it would be good maybe if you did it this way, if you did it that way, he was like, that's cool. And then he went and did it his way, which was so surprising to me when he when he kind of failed. <laughs> you get where I'm going? If you're going to move forward in life, at some point you have to be willing to say, look, I need to learn. I need to stop. And Jesus says, if you want rest, here's the key, you need to learn from me. So there's gotta be times when we slow down enough, where we stop enough and take time to learn. And learning requires listening. It requires observing. It requires focus process, meditation, times when I go, look, I'm gonna slow down enough to learn. Learning requires listening. Jesus says, I want you to learn from me. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna learn, we're gonna listen to some scriptures today. 
I want to look at three Old Testament scriptures that all have the idea of rest behind them. And here's what we're going to find as we look at these things. As we look at them, I want to give to you, and and here's, here's the deal. Today's message isn't so much to encourage you. It's not so much that you walk out of here and you feel good about yourself today. Today, I'm actually hopefully going to give you some insight, give you some tools that you can use maybe later this week when you say, why is my soul not at rest? Why do I feel chaos? Why do I feel a little bit of despair? Why do I feel unrest in my soul? Today, I want to help you, you know, as as we've been going through this series the last three weeks, early on, these were some thoughts that came to my mind. And so for the last couple weeks, when there's been those moments when I'm not feeling at rest in my soul, I've taken these three, and I'll just use the word exercises, out of Scripture, and they've helped me to come to a place where I can find rest. So here's what I want to give to you today. I want to give you three exercises for the soul at rest. I use the word exercise because I hope it's something that you will actively do on a regular basis. Three exercises for the soul at rest And here's the first one. Number one, the idea is to repent. Number one, repent. Repentance is is an interesting word. If if we were going to define it, if we were going to say what repentance is, then repentance is a change of heart, mind, and direction. Repentance is a change of heart, mind, and direction. Let let me give you kind of an analogy. If if you go out and you're on a bike ride and you're, you're cruising along and all of a sudden you get to a spot in the road where there's a bridge and there's a sign that says bridge out, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna try to jump it? Probably not unless you're Evil Knievel. And if you're younger than 40, you have no idea who Evil Knievel is. Probably think he's like some demon possessed guy. How many of you have no idea who Evil Knievel is? Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. You're missing out on the 70s. So you, you're, um, you're right. You're going to see that bridge is out, and what are you going to do? You're going to change. You're going to go, look, I'm not going to go in that direction because I know in my heart that's not where I want to go. I know in my mind that's a problem. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to change my direction. I'm not going to go that way. I'm now going to go this way because that bridge is out, and that's bad for me if I don't change. I'm going to repent of going that direction and turn and go another direction. Now, that's the idea behind repentance. But what happens in our lives when we talk about our attitudes, when we talk about our habits, when we talk about our words, when we talk about the the things that are inside of our hearts, oftentimes, even though we may know that it's not good, the bridge isn't out. I can keep going in that direction, and it's not as physical as clear what the consequences are, so I keep moving through my life going in the wrong direction, even though it could be hazardous, detrimental, or maybe even deadly to my soul. That's why repentance is so key. See, understand this. Without repentance, you could be going the wrong way for a long way. Without repentance, you could be going the wrong way for a long way. I've done it, you've done it, I'm going in that direction. And if I don't stop and say, okay, what's not right here? What needs fixed here? What needs considered here? Then I'm gonna keep rolling in a direction that could be dangerous or detrimental to me. That's why repentance is so critically important. That's why it is such a a tag team with rest. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. Listen to what scripture says. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. 
Do you see what he tags here together? He tags repentance and rest together because he recognizes this, that you will not have rest without repentance. If you don't stop and consider the things that aren't right in your world, you will never truly know rest in your world because repentance clears the way for rest. It makes the way. It, it, it clears out that space. Repentance clears the way for rest. How many of you, it, it bothers you if there's like clutter all around, if there's just a mess all around you and things aren't in the right place? How many of you, it bothers you? We're gonna pray for deliverance in just a moment. How many of you, how many of you? I have, I, one, one, of, one of our children, um, don't wanna mention my oldest son by name, I don't wanna do that, but um, there's just, since the time he was a baby, it's just wherever he is, there's an explosion. It's just, it's just stuff, and you just walk in his room, and you're like, what, what happened in here? He's like, no, I just cleaned it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? What is this? And just to, you can only be in there so long and, until you just want to, like, gouge your eyeballs out or something. It's just like, this, I can't do this. I can't do this. The other thing, like, if you've ever used a Windows operating system on a computer, do you know what it's like when you open a program? It opens on your screen a win, window. Yeah, cool. That's all right. That's good. First service people use computers, but I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what you do. But what happens is the more you open things, the more you have those windows open. Do you ever just have to go and close some of them? Like when I, Yeah, when I'm working on a computer, it's like, so I've gotten to the point where if there's too many things open, I just got to go back through. I got to shut some of them down. I've got to close some of them to the point that my family has this unique gift of having multiple conversations all at the same time. Not me. If we're in the midst of a conversation and we're talking about this and all of a sudden we start talking about this, I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. I gotta close this window over here because it bothers me if we didn't deal with this before we went on over here to that. Now, repentance helps us to not have too many windows open in our life. See, when I, when I had that thought the other day that has lingered a little too long of jealousy, when I let those thoughts of lust or bitterness set up camp in my life, when I, when I said those words to you that were either hurtful or untrue, when, when I acted in a way that was selfish or angry, whether I realized it or not, that's, that's clutter that's all over my heart, and it brings unrest to my soul. And until I repent, until I deal with that, I'm never gonna know the rest that I could truly know until I clean up a little bit but I have to stop and take time and repent. So here's a question for you. Have you allowed space in your life for the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart? Because maybe after you said that, you just pushed that out of the way. You said of your spouse, oh, they'll get over it. You said of that person, I don't think they really saw me do that. You said in your mind, no one knows that but me. But at some point, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and clean up that clutter because you're not going to know rest. Otherwise, you will experience unrest until you experience repentance. You're going to experience unrest until you experience repentance in your life and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and to move in a way that will help you to clean up that clutter, to deal with those things that may be lingering and hanging around in your heart and in your thoughts. And at some point, we have to come to the fact that we will not be able to move forward until we realize maybe I'm going the wrong way for a long way. That's the value of repentance. And when you do that, it can help your soul to come to a place of rest. So, 
consider this. This may be a good exercise for you on Monday morning. Might be a good one for Sunday night before you call it a day. Have my thoughts, words, or actions affected my relationship with God or another? Have my thoughts, my words, or my actions affected my relationship with God or another person? We've already talked about some examples. And here's, here's what I love about my job. At some point, I don't have to say a whole lot more because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you're open, then the Holy Spirit will help you to see where those things are. Not because God's angry at you, not because God wants you to be miserable, but have you ever noticed that when the sun shines the brightest, that's when the shadows are seen? Isn't that true? And so if God's light is shining on us, we'll be able to see those dark places, those places where we say, you know what? This, probably, this clutter probably needs a little cleaned up in my life. And it's a good time for repentance. In fact, it'd probably be great if we'd practice that right now. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? And before we go any further, maybe the most important thing that we could do to find rest would be to pray a prayer of repentance. Father, we, we pause for just a moment. And just like David prayed in Psalm 51, we ask that you'd have mercy on us, O Lord, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, we ask that you'd blot out our sins. Lord, that you would cleanse us of our transgressions and iniquity. Because Holy Spirit, you, you know the, the clutter in each one of our lives. For some of us, it may just be that um, seemingly small thing that brings huge unrest to us. For others of us, it's this, this deep, dark shadow that we carry around that maybe even no one else knows about. And so in this moment, we pause. And in our quest for rest, we repent. We recognize that we need your forgiveness, that on our own we're helpless to do anything about it, but that because of what you have done, we can know forgiveness, and with repentance we can find rest. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Three exercises for the soul at rest. Number one is to repent. Here's, here's number two. I would challenge you to remember. Number two is to remember. There are times when it's really good for us to know um, where we're headed, but sometimes that only happens if we look back. Do you know the times when I've gotten lost in my life is where and I've forgotten where I've just come from? And I have to remember what it is that has happened in my life. Remember where I've come from. Remember what I've seen. Here's what the psalmist says, Psalm 116, verse 7 reads, return 
to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Do you see the two ideas that he connects here? He connects the idea of rest with the idea of God's goodness, of remembering what God has done, which then brings us to a place where we can know and experience his rest. There is strength in those times when we remember. Because when we remember, when we consider what God has done, we consider who he is, when we think about the way that he's worked in our lives in the past, when we remember, we align ourselves with who God is and what he has done for us. When we remember, we align ourselves with who God is and what he's done for us. It brings those things together. Let me, let me say it in this way. If we're going to remember who he is, then it's important for us to stop and in the busyness of life, really consider who is God? What, what is he really all about? What, what are his characteristics? What is his nature? Remember what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you, Learn from me. And then he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Aren't those two interesting words for him to use? That he calls himself gentle and humble. I mean, gentle kind of says this. It says, look, I have, I have all kinds of strength, but I know how to use it. I'm gentle because I know how to use my strength the right way. And it's really kind of an interesting thing to say that you're humble, isn't it? It's almost a little arrogant to say that you're humble. I know that because I'm super humble, and uh, right? I mean, it's just kind of weird to say that. What's Jesus say? He says this, look, I'm gentle even though I have all power, and I'm humble even though I have all authority. I know my power. I know my authority, so I don't have to force it. I don't have to push it. I don't have to strive in these things. I find rest in who I am. In my identity, I'm gentle and I'm humble. I have power. I have strength. I have authority. I have all these things, but I don't have to push that on you. You know why? Because I rest in that. I rest in that identity. That's who he is. And understand this. A strong sense of identity creates a strong place of rest. A strong sense of identity creates a strong place of rest. Why is it then that we can rest the most usually in our own home or someplace that we're comfortable and away from other people? Because there we don't have to strive. We don't have to force. There I find a place of rest because that's where I'm at home. That's where I find my identity. And a strong sense of identity creates a strong place of rest. So Jesus says this, look, I know who I am. Gentle and I'm humble, I have power, and I have authority, but in the midst of that, I can rest in that. Now, Jesus found his rest in that, and watch this, you can find your rest in that as well. Because here's the deal, he says that he has all power, that he has all authority, that he's gentle, that he's humble, and in the midst of that, it also says that we are God's child, right? Scripture says that we are a son or daughter of God through what Jesus Christ has done for us. As a result, then we find our identity and we find rest in that. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says this, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So when we remember who he is, then we remember who we are in him. No matter what anyone else says to you, no matter what value you try to put on your own life, the one who has all power, the one who has all authority, the one who has all strength, says of you that you belong to him, that everything that is in Christ is at our disposal, so as a result, we rest in that. That's why we have to stop, though, and not just barrel through life, but remember sometimes who he is and what he's done for us. That's the second thing. We not only remember who he is, 
but we remember what he has done. In fact, we're going to do that in a very physical way today. Our ushers are preparing to serve us communion this morning. And scripture challenges us that there are those times when we need to prepare our own hearts to come to the Lord's table and to spend some time in communion. In just a moment, the ushers will come and they're going to distribute the bread, which symbolizes the broken body of Jesus Christ. And they'll distribute the cup, which symbolizes Jesus' shed blood. And the reason we do that is we take time to share in communion so that we can remember what Christ has done for us. Probably for me, there's, there's no clearer passage of Scripture that helps me to understand this in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. It says this, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, before we had our act together, before we had it figured out, when we didn't realize how desperately we needed it, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that good news? And that's what we remember today. See, repentance is a wonderful thing. It's wonderful that I can come to God through Jesus Christ and ask for his forgiveness, but that forgiveness is only possible because of the cross. And sometimes I can take that for granted. I can forget what Jesus has done for me. I can begin to roll through life. I can come in and out of church Sunday after Sunday. I can go through work Monday through Friday. I can live my life, and I can fail to remember that I only have what I have. I only have hope. I only have peace. I only have opportunity because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And that's why communion is so important. So in these next few moments, we're going to take time to pause and to remember. The ushers are going to come, and they're going to prepare to distribute the elements to us. Paul gives us instruction for these times. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So before the elements are distributed, in these next few moments, I'm going to invite you just to, to search your own heart. The scripture says very clearly that this isn't a time that's just for routine. This isn't a time just for, for spiritual practice. This is a time for us to remember. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know that you have surrendered your life to God and that you have had your sins forgiven and that you have the promise of spending eternity in heaven with him, then we invite you to join us in this time of communion. The ushers will distribute the bread and the cup. We ask that you hold on to those things until everyone's been served, and then we're going to share in those things together. But in these next few moments, as we sing this song, would you take time, and maybe there's something in your heart that you still need to repent of. This is the perfect time to make that right. Maybe it's a good time for you to remember who you are in Jesus Christ. That because of what he did on the cross, that's where we find our identity, and that's where we find rest. Maybe it's been a while since you took time to think about what it was that he's done for you. How he was willing to give his life for you. That in these next few moments is the perfect time to say thank you as you remember. So as the elements are distributed, let's, let's prepare our hearts so we can find ourselves in a place where we can experience rest. Ushers, you may serve.
grace that flows like a river washing over me fount of heaven love of Christ overflow in me thank you everyone been served? Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, Father, as we hold the bread in our hands, we do just that and we remember Lord, we gather with a group of all ages, of all backgrounds, 
And yet because of what Jesus did for us, we share the same story. Lord, thanks for your grace. Thanks for your love that you were willing to give, not because we earned it, not because we deserved it, but because you're rich in mercy and so willing to forgive. And so we thank you as we share in the bread together. Let's share in the bread. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so, Father, we thank you for the cup. For the blood of Jesus. Scripture so clearly says that there's life in the blood. And that because Jesus shed his blood for us, we can know life and we can know forgiveness and we can know healing and we can have hope. And so we share in this today. And we remember who you are. We remember what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Share in the cup. And communion gives to us such a wonderful physical opportunity to do that second thing, and that's to remember. So three exercises for the soul at rest. The first is that we repent. The second, that we remember. And here's number three quickly before we wrap up today. A third thing that I would encourage you with, and that's to recalibrate. Number three, to recalibrate. My, my bike is uh, so I can ride around the neighborhood, maybe get a little exercise, do something with my kids. I've got a friend who does uh, every year a, a, a charity bike ride to raise funds for cancer research. It's like 160 miles. I almost said 160,000. That would be a lot. But it's 100, 160 miles over the course of two days. I don't even drive 160 miles over the course of two days. But he does it, and his bike isn't just something he keeps in the garage. It's like a finely tuned instrument for him. So he's got to make sure that everything's right. And he takes time, and he's very careful, and he knows what to do so that that bike will run, that it will work, that it will be efficient, that it will be effective, that it will be as, as good as it can be for what he's about to do, which sometimes means you have to recalibrate things. It means you've got to get things back to the way they're supposed to be. Have you ever tried to ride a bike with multiple speeds on it and the gears aren't right? And so you're trying to go uphill, you're trying to go downhill, you're trying to figure all that out. At some point, you got to get it back to where it needs to be. You need to recalibrate. Now, this is really key in our lives, physically, spiritually, because we've talked about these different things, repentance and remembering. But understand this, remembering allows us to rest in where we've been, but recalibration allows us to rest in where we're going. Remembering allows us to look back and go, I don't want to get lost, so I'm going to remember where I've come from. But recalibration says, I need to find rest in the place where I'm going. And that's really essential. It's really key. Jeremiah talks to us about this interesting passage. Listen to what he says here. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that the same thing Jesus said? He said, and you will find rest for your souls, but you said, we will not walk in it. 
some interesting truths in this scripture. And it talks to us about the fact that when you get to a crossroad, you need to stop and consider, what do I do? How do I go? You really need to find a place of recalibration because recalibration brings us to a place where we can live life fully. I'm not going to be able to ride this thing to its fullest unless it's at a point where things are right with it. That may mean it needs recalibrated. I'm not going to be able to live life to the fullest unless I know that things are right so that I can live as effectively and efficiently and as hopefully and with as much strength as I can. And that may mean at some point that I need to take some time, might take some time because learning requires listening. I might have to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life, and recalibrate so I can live life fully. Now, the best way that I know how to kind of help you with this is just to take a minute and walk through that passage. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Go back to it and look at what he says. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Have you ever been at a crossroad and not known which way to go? I mean, I've been driving before. You're cruising right along and you get to a dead end. You're like, I didn't know that was there. (laughs) Now what do I do? Do I go to the left? Do I go to the right? What way do I go? And at some point, you have to decide physically what way you'll go. I think it's probably something we have to do every day. How am I going to respond to that conversation? Am I going to give in to that temptation? How am I going to act when I'm treated that way? How am I going to attack my day so I can make the most out of it? I come to a crossroad. And I say, what am I going to do when I am at that point? It's something that happens to us on a daily basis if we'll be aware of it. So what does Jeremiah say to do? Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. What are ancient paths? It's not meaning that we all have to go and live at Sodder Village. That's not what they're talking about. All right? Here's what he's talking about. Go back to the things that you know work. Go back to the things that you know are truth. Jeremiah was talking to a nation who was walking away from the truths they knew from God's word. They were ignoring the principles of scripture. Wouldn't that be a scary generation to live in? You got where I was going with that, right? What did he say we should do? We should ask for the ancient past. And one of the very first verses that I remember learning when I was a little kid in Sunday school was Psalm 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The ancient paths. God's word shows us where to go. It shows us how to live. And here's the truth. The reason why sometimes we get frustrated in life, the reason why we don't have rest and life seems to be at chaos and unrest around us is because we've just simply stopped walking in that ancient path. Here's a really simple question for you. That if you took the time this week, you'd probably shine some light on some things. Am I living my life in a way that agrees with God's word? Simple question, but worth considering. Am I living my life in a way that agrees with God's word? Back to verse 16, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. See, for some of us, we may know what God's word is, but we're not sure how to apply it. We're not so sure how to live that out. What's it supposed to look like? And sometimes I've gotten to a crossroad in my life, and I said to myself, man, I really think I should go this way. And typically, that's that's assurance that I really should go that way. (laughs) If I feel that's the right way, then sometimes I need to go, my feelings might not be right here. 
Listen to what Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. We can be quick to think we've got the right way, but we really probably to make sure, is this the good way? Proverbs 12, verse 15. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. The wise listen to advice. Here's the deal. Sometimes for some of us, it would be good for us to step back and go, am I really doing what's wise here? In fact, that's a question that I would pose to you. Ask yourself this. Am I living my life in a way that is wise? Is this the good way? See, for some of us, we, we can get to a place where we're so, um, the, the, nice, the, the nice way would, would be, we're, 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 we're a little set in our ways. That's how you'd say it. The truth is we're probably ignorantly stubborn, right? Now, none of you in this service are like that. That's the 830 crowd. I know that, right? But it's the truth that sometimes we just find ourselves in a place, and sometimes we're so determined to be right that we do the thing that is wrong. And maybe I need to ask myself, am I doing this the right way? Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. He says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look Ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is, and walk in it. I have known what to do before. I have told other people what the right thing to do is, and then I haven't done it myself. You ever know anybody like that? It's one thing to say it. It's one thing to know it. It's another. You're not helping yourself unless you do it. I can tell you, don't ride your bike down that road because the bridge is out, and it would be good advice, and then I go right down there and try to jump that bridge myself. So the truth is, if you know it's true, live it that way. The question is this, am I doing what I know and say I should? I know I should, I say I should, but am I doing it? Am I living it? Am I, as Jeremiah says, walking in it? Because here's what Jeremiah says, Jeremiah chapter six, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And the same promise Jesus made, and you will find rest for your souls. So my encouragement to you is this. For some of us, we look all over. We look everywhere trying to find rest, and we'll never find it outside of Jesus Christ. At some point, we need to slow down and listen long enough so that we can learn from him through repentance, through remembering, through recalibration. Because if I do not bring my focus onto the way of Jesus, I will struggle to find rest any other way. Go for it. Try it. Try to figure it out. Try to find rest. But you're going to struggle to find it any other way. And here's, just, just to be transparent with you, here's the disheartening part of of my job. I know this is true. And I know it from myself that if you'll take some of these things we've talked about today, when, when the chaos or the unrest comes to your life, or maybe even just preventatively, if you'll take some time to repent and remember and recalibrate, it will help to bring rest for your souls. The disheartening part is a lot of you won't do it. Some of you will walk out of here and you'll be like, that's, that's really, that was good, that was good truth. Some of you might even take a little line and tweet it or post it on Facebook. But then you're not going to live it. You know how I know it? Not because I don't believe in you. Look at what Scripture says. <laughs> this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. 
Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Some of you would say, hey, that's, that's good stuff, but I'm really busy or I'm really smart or I've got this figured out and I'm okay because some of us have gotten so comfortable trying to do it all ourselves that when it comes time for us to do it God's way, it's really, really, really hard for us to do it. You know, Jesus made a statement to us. He said he wanted us to take up our cross and follow him and to do it in his way. And oftentimes what happens as a result is we say, yes, Lord, I'll do that. But then we try to do it in our own way, according to our own rules. And the bottom line is you will always be frustrated. On Good Friday every year, we... um, we set up a cross right about here on the platform. It's this massive cross. If you've been here for our Good Friday service, it's about 15 feet tall. It's made out of like these big beams look like railroad ties. I mean, this thing is, it's huge and it's heavy. And uh, folks at Calvary made it years ago for a, a musical drama presentation. And so we have it. We, sometimes we pull it out for different things, but always on Good Friday. And it's a good visual reminder. The only room we ever use the cross in is in this room on that stage right there. The only place we have to store the cross is on the complete opposite side of the building. So every year when we have to get it out, we have to, we have to carry it all the way. We have to take up our cross and carry it all the way down here. Jim Phillips is our, is our maintenance supervisor here. And if you don't know Jim, Jim's been a, an employee of Calvary's almost 30 years now. He is, he is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And Jim knows how to get things done around here because he's been doing it for 30 years. And so I remember one of the first times we had to move the cross in, in this building, Jim wasn't here. And we're like, Jim, how do, how do we do this? And Jim walks us through and he says, here's how you use the cart. Here's where you should take it. This is what it should look like. And this is how it's supposed to go. And so we're moving the, 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 the cross and figuring it all out. And I love Jim and he's a great guy, but I was pretty sure I knew how to do it better. Maybe we put it on the cart this way. And maybe if we took this route through the building as you got to cross through the doors and in and out and that kind of stuff. And what I found out is that when I tried to carry the cross by myself instead of doing it the way that was best, it was a whole lot harder of a burden than what it was intended to be. And I said to myself when we were done, I will never again not listen to what Jim tells me to do. Some of you are trying to take up your cross and follow him, but you're trying to do it your own way. You're trying to play by your own rules. And instead of recalibrating and remembering and repenting, you're just doing it your way. And that way will always lead to unrest. But Jesus said, come to me if you're weary and if you're burdened. And then you'll find rest for your souls. So Father, we thank you for your word. Here's what I know. I know that watching these words online or sitting in auditorium too or right here in this sanctuary, there are people who desperately need from you rest for their souls. And Lord, we can be so quick to try to figure it all out on our own. But we've tried to take a little bit of time to listen today so that we can learn from you, Jesus. And so, Lord, would you help us to repent if there's clutter that needs cleaned up in our lives? Lord, would you help us to remember when we wonder what our identity is or we forget what you've done for us? And God, somebody's about to roll into Monday morning and they need to take them time and ask themselves some some serious questions and recalibrate their life to follow you. Lord, would you help us to do that? 
so that we can not only live life to the full, but that even in the midst of seasons that could cause us to be weary or burdened, we can know that if we come to you, we will find rest. As we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next Sunday.